Lifting Leaders podcast, where we're unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Trisha Ryan, and together with Crystal Roberts, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we are exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing today? I'm great, Crystal. How about you? I'm doing wonderful. It's the new year. It's the new year. Yes. Happy new year, everybody. Yeah. And we're going to kick it off right with some amazing guests. So excited. I'll introduce them in just a minute. And they're going to be talking about human flourishing. We've Mm -hmm. been hearing a lot about that lately, reading about it, seeing people talk about it. And so we thought it's a really important piece as we think about alignment to the podcast and what we're trying to do, which is to make a better world. And you know, if our listeners remember back at the beginning of last year, that was my word of intention for the year. And I have to say... I struggled to figure out how to make that a reality in some time, you know, sometimes. So this will be really exciting. I'm so glad that we're going to be talking about this topic. Yeah. So our two esteemed guests here, they have dove deeply into the topic. They're sought after speakers and they led the human flourishing track for the 2023 Organizational Development Global Summit Mm -hmm. that focused on addressing the challenges of now. And they are fellow podcast hosts. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so Kindred Spirits uh, and their passion project is called Transformation Horizon. Mm. So we'll put a link uh, to that podcast, which yes. is fantastic, um, in our show notes. So welcome, Judy Oyadeli and Sasha Farley. Thanks for having us. Woo! We're here. (laughs) They're really here. They are. They are. (laughs) And we were just talking about. um, So Judy is actually coming to us from the DC area, and Sasha from Puerto Rico. Is that right? Yep. Very different weather profiles is basically what we're thinking. We're all wearing very different clothing right now. I do notice I'm wearing a turtleneck and you have a tank top on. That's great. Yeah. And I love the magic of technology. I mean, that's probably sounding pretty old at this point, but we're so used to just talking to people all over the world all the Mm -hmm. time. But how fun. Trisha and I were just talking that this is actually the first time that we've well, we've had, I guess we've had multiple people on the, the show before, mm-hmm. but it feels different for some reason. Maybe it's because it's our fellow podcasters. I think perhaps, <laughs> perhaps, and two people who are in the same field, yeah. in essence. So that's, it's always exciting to, yeah. you know, to have that sisterhood, if you will. It's yeah. great. Oh, I love it. Sisterhood, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yay, sisterhood. Um, so I'm going to dive a little bit more into um, their background so that you know a little bit more about them. So Judy is the founder and principal consultant of Joy Deli Consulting. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Wait. Okay. Actually, yes. Joy Deli. Joy Deli Consulting. Joy Deli. Yes. I love that. That's so creative. A culture and change consulting firm that specializes in bringing joy to the change process. I love that. Joy Deli Consulting's approach combines human-centered design, Mm -hmm. the psychology of behavior change, and the principles of inclusion, diversity, equity, accessibility, and social justice. 
Judy is an organizational development practitioner and executive leadership coach with over a decade of experience supporting leaders across the public, nonprofit, higher education, public media, and tech sectors. You do it all. You do it all. That's cool. (laughs) One-stop shop. Yeah. Her specialty is supporting passionate and innovative leaders with breaking out of the status quo while learning to lead with more ease and better boundaries. Judy is an alumni of the University of Texas at Austin. Is there an... Oh, yeah. You can barely see it. (laughs) I see the horns. The horns, yes. (laughs) And holds a Master's of Science in Organizational Development from American University. Judy resides in Silver Springs, Maryland with her husband, their cat, and a forever-growing number of plants. (laughs) In her spare time, she enjoys playing in the dirt, making art, and watching college volleyball. Are you a volleyball player? Did you do that in your younger years? I, I never played. Oh, the one time that I actually played, I got such a bad migraine that I oh. it, it was really bad. Oh, <laughs> oh my no. word! Like, I'm not the phys- physically, but I love to support. I was mm. the manager of my high school team, oh, so I love cool. watching volleyball and yeah. I know what's going on. So. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that, right. that's important. It's kind of like going to a football game and only knowing baseball, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love volleyball. I'm a huge fan myself. Um, okay, so welcome, Judy. And Sasha, Sasha Farley is the founder and principal of Sasha Farley Consulting, where she provides organizational development support to help her clients identify and cultivate inclusive organizational mm-hmm. cultures and realize the positive potential engaged and empowered individuals can have on the success of an organization. We know that's true, right? Yes, that's true. She provides support through leadership development and coaching, culture change, virtual and in-person facilitation and strategy enablement. Mm, In addition, she is passionate about exploring how to use OD techniques and approaches to help support shifts in perspective at the community and societal level to help address global changes, including human flourishing. Sasha also serves as the general vice president for the International Organizational Development Association, IODA, and is the co-host of the OD podcast, Transformation Horizon, with Judy. Sasha has worked with government agencies and private companies in the United States and overseas. She received her bachelor's degree in psychology and neuroscience. That's a tough, a tough program, neuroscience. From the University of Maryland, College Park, and earned her master's degree in organizational development from American University. She can be reached at Sasha at SashaFarleyConsulting.com. Wonderful. Oh. Yeah. Aren't we lucky to have them here with us today? We actually are very lucky. I'm yeah. so excited to get started on this because it's not only a topic but that I love, but also I love interacting with other people who have similar mind, similar thinking, right? It's it's going to be fun. We're going to have fun today. Yeah. And such an important topic, too, yes. at this time of year as we think about uh, a lot of people are planning what what do I want out of this year and human flourishing is an important piece of that I think it is too and I think it's really important that in in my mind for me anyway I have to stop thinking uh, resolution you know which is Mm. you know how to how do we put something new in place and see if we how long we can make it work which is usually what about a week and a half that I do my exercises and that kind of thing but flourishing is something that I think is it's not just a one and done. It's something that grows over time. And, and it's something that you, you realize as, as you're going through, but being intentional about it, I think is so important. So this is going to be fun. 
So before we dive in, Judy and Sasha, anything that you would like to say? No. <laughs> <laughs> let's just get to it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I think let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. All right. I, no, no, actually, no, I'll take it back. I will say very excited to be here if I haven't already said that. And yes, I think this is going to be a really fun, really great energizing conversation, which is why me and Sasha do this. Doing a podcast is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. There's a lot of logistics (laughs) and technology, as you all well know, but the opportunity to get to have really good conversations with other people makes it all worth it, at least for me. I know it's also for Sasha. So yeah, yeah. very true. Yeah. So like to have the conversation and see where they go. I you never know where a conversation is going to go when you're that's doing true. a podcast. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. So that's the most exciting part. Yeah, I I totally agree that that intentional time to have quality conversations mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then recording them, which allows other people to benefit from yes. it, right? I love that. It's passing that goodness on. So, we always start with this question. Tell us your story, and we're going to start with Judy, and then we'll we'll go to Sasha, and then we'll talk a little bit if you guys want to talk about your story together. Yeah, definitely. Our stories definitely converge at some point, so we will definitely talk about that. But a little about me, I am an immigrant kid, so my Mm. parents are from Nigeria, and I grew up in uh, Dallas, Texas, so going to UT, that was like the the pen, <laughs> penultimate like state school it was it was a good experience um but i think like where and why that is important for like my narrative and my story is because as an immigrant kid i was always curious about other cultures because i could never escape the obviousness of like hmm, mm-hmm. how we do things at my house is a little different than how my friends do it yeah. at their house yeah. so i was always really curious about other people about other cultures um, and also about why people do the things they, they do, uh, just human behavior in general. All of that, I think, culminated in what I chose to study in uh, undergrad, which was psychology and business. Business was, okay, I want to understand how this whole making money thing, I would like to understand that better. <laughs> but then also the human part of that in the psychology stuff, that led me somehow to moving to Japan to live and work oh. for three years, oh. um, which actually the connection there, it's like, I'm like, how did, why did I do that? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> my fascination with this other cultures, but then also getting a chance to work in a work environment, in a mm-hmm. work culture that yeah. was going to be very different from my own and the one that I would be exposed to in the U.S. was an amazing experience. Um Coming back to the U.S. after that, three years abroad, that's a good amount of time. Yeah. Wanted to continue on with my life and like, you know, start to like put down some roots and just move forward. And that led me to D.C. and the American University Organization Development Master's Program. Mm-hmm. And that's where me and Sasha met. We were in the oh, same cohort. So we got to <laughs> learn and teach each other many, oh. many different things over mm. that two years in the program. And I think like for me, the OD program was clearly the missing piece that mm. I had been looking for. Or So I knew something was missing in how all of this was coming together and my understanding of groups of people and of groups of people who are trying to come together to do something grander or bigger than they can do on their own. Mm. Organization development, that um, field 
is that missing piece. So I was, I have, I am forever grateful for the random person who told me about the program. I didn't know what it was until someone mm-hmm. told me about it and like kind of clued me in. But it's been such a game changer in the way I'm able to help other people and contribute back to society. Yeah. Sasha, tell everyone your story. (laughs) Let me dive into my part, then we can come back together for how we got where we are now. Um, (laughs) We have a lot of similarities. That's why we kind of hang out a lot and why we vibe and why we now do this together. Um, I... I'm going to start in my college years. I, I went to college for psychology and neuroscience. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but when I was there, I thought maybe I'd be a therapist or something like that. Uh, took some helping skills classes and realized, eh, I don't I don't really know if that's for me. <laughs> so um, I graduated and I actually was really lucky and I got a fellowship doing something completely different. Um, I actually was working for FDA, uh, helping respond to a citizen's petition to reschedule marijuana. And I was researching the medical uses of it and helping draft their response, um, which was a very interesting topic. Yeah. (laughs) And during that time, I changed my mind a million times about what I wanted to do. My family (laughs) joked with me because like every couple of months I'd be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, All the way from like being like working with animals to, uh, being like a researcher to all sorts of other stuff. But I realized that like research wasn't really my thing. And for a lot of those other areas that I was exploring, the day-to-day activities weren't really my thing either because I was volunteering as a keeper aide. I saw what it looked like. They just didn't really, nothing mm-hmm. really kind of fit. Yeah. But I always had this need of wanting to understand people and wanting to understand why they do the things they do, mm. which, and I've always loved traveling and being in different environments. I was very lucky growing up. We were able to travel a bunch to different countries And so the one thing I knew for sure that I wanted to do (laughs) was to travel a lot. (laughs) So Mm. I decided since I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do after my fellowship, that I would sell everything, use my little bit of savings and travel solo for a year. So I ended up doing that in Central and South America. There wasn't really actually an end date, (laughs) but about three months into it, I realized while I loved getting up every morning and thinking, what do I want to do right now? Yeah. I didn't feel like I had a bunch of purpose in life. And I felt like I was just kind of coasting around, even though I was learning all these cultures, meeting all these people. Um, so I started to volunteer at different animal sanctuaries and wildlife places because uh, they were didn't need a lot of foresight of where you were going to be. You'd just be like, hey, I'm going to be there tomorrow. Can I help? They'd be like, yes, we need help. <laughs> While I was doing that, <laughs> um, I remember I was literally in the jungles of Bolivia in the Amazon walking a puma on a leash with this organization Mm. that like gives them enrichment because they're not allowed to re-release them back into the wild so they want them to experience their natural environment as much as possible while they have to live their lives in captivity and the organization also is teaching uh the locals about taking care of their environment um and by teaching about some of the unintended impacts that they were having on a system level um within the amazon and they were making really great impacts but i was seeing they weren't necessarily using their not that much resources very effectively and so i was like i wanted to know how i could help them and i was like maybe i can get a business degree but i'm like um we get like our food with a wheelbarrow delivered like i don't know if any business degree is going to give me anything that's going to be very helpful here we're literally in the middle of the amazon yeah so I remembered then that my stepmother, she actually is in organization development hmm. and she had opened a office in uh, the part of FDA where I was at and they were right down the hall from me. And I talked to them about what is organization development and they 
explain to me this concept of like, you don't come in as the content expert. You trust that the people know the answers. They, they just need someone's help in creating the space or asking the right question to help them solve their own challenges. And I was like, that is what we need here because I will never understand the cultural context enough. I will never understand the resourcing constraints that are happening here enough, but they do. And so, but I need to figure out how to ask them the right questions to get them to rethink how to solve their own problems or how to address what is the problem. Maybe even what I'm seeing isn't an actual problem. It's just, so that's just the way it is sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's why when I finished traveling, I went back to American university and got my master's degree so that I could do just that with organizations around the world. Wow. So that's when I met Judy and started to get really into it. And similarly, as she expressed, it was kind of like learning and going through the process in the program was literally like, yep, this is the thing. And thinking about what I was going to do day in and day out, I finally was like, yep, I want to do that day in and day out. It didn't like turn me off of it. Yeah. It wasn't just the outcomes. It was the process. Yeah. Uh, so that's how we ended up together. <laughs> Mm. Two fascinating stories, yeah. two fascinating trips to organizational development, which is, you know, it, it's always a journey, I think, for people who get into this mm. field. Yes. It's always a journey, but wow, two very different paths, but really fascinating. I love it. Well, and I think the, the thread that I saw there was also both of you are following your passions yes. all, all the way through. And then it then it found you sort of you like, oh, this would actually sort of fill that gap and help me to actually do what I want to do, mm -hmm. continuing your passion. But you are following that both in what you studied, but what you did right after as well. So I love that. And I think the younger generations are so much better at that. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm finding. You know, I was laughing, Judy, when you were talking, oh, I studied psychology and business because I wanted to learn how to make money. Mm -hmm. And I think my generation was much more go to college and figure out how to make money. It wasn't mm -hmm. about follow your passion at all. It was about get a job, <laughs> you right, know, right. figure out how to get a job. And I think following your passion serves you so much better especially given the rate of change, right, that we're dealing with. The jobs that we have and that we know about in college, they aren't the same jobs even when you graduate. And in 10 mm -hmm. years, they're history. Mm -hmm. So following your passion, being able to work in that area that you actually, your heart makes your heart sing, doesn't matter if there's a bunch of change, you can still do it. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. interesting how um, all four of us have that same background, you know, psychology mm -hmm. and business. So it's, it's, um, it is interesting that we we tend to be gravitated toward it. and it's maybe not it's not fascinating certainly because we're doing it and there was a, a path right we we wanted to be working with people we wanted to help them uh, navigate their solutions and navigate their world but um, but it is interesting that people who go into or really have a passion for other people and how to do that they tend to go into this field in some way you yeah. know at least my experience has been that yeah. I love, Sasha, when you were saying that you learned, and this is so hard for people outside of organizational development sometimes to understand, like, what you do. It's kind of like coaching, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, I don't understand really what you do. But it feels like magic in the end, right? People are like, <laughs> how did this happen? But that you were talking about organizational development, you don't have to know, you don't have to be an yes. expert in the field of wherever you're working. You're an expert in the process of helping people mm -hmm. come to their own decisions, which we know is so much more impactful because then they're committed to the outcome of the 
of the process and, and to the change. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So there you go. Anybody struggling with what's OD? That's it. <laughs> and we're That's the it. only ones who are so into it that we go, oh, well, it's about. And then we realize we're talking to people who are never going to get it. And it's like, well, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's really complicated. We, but <laughs> we help you solve your own problems. That's what it is. Yeah. That's right. I love that. So why is human flourishing important? And why now? Why at this time in our, in our world? I think you guys kind of introed this very beautifully when you were pulling it out. Our world's changing a lot. Like w- what our society looks like, what work looks like, what politics looks like, what our global country lines look like, keep changing and they're going to keep changing. And if historically we've used this measure of how can I continue the status quo of having more money, more things, more, more basically. Um, But we're at a place where a good portion of the world, not the majority, but a good portion of the world actually has plenty, too much, like way more than is needed. And there's so much metrics to prove that. And people still aren't happy, right? And that kind of, I think, shows like that isn't the pursuit of happiness. (laughs) The pursuit of happiness is somewhere else. And so the concept of human flourishing, I think right now is because it's coming out of this time point where we have enough and we can move beyond our basic needs, even in a global in a global sense, there is enough resources that people shouldn't need to be worried about that at this mm-hmm. point. We need to be worried about, we can have the privilege to be worried about how do we flourish, how do we grow, and how do we make sure everyone else on this globe can do it as well. So I think it's just the time point of where we are as a society that really, I think, is priming us to be able to explore that sort of a question. I'm wondering if some of our listeners might not even quite understand what flourishing actually is. And so I'm wondering if you could kind of share with us, you know, what are some of the elements or what are the the things that tell us what flourishing is or tell us that we are flourishing? Yeah, no, good question. So the way I like to explain it, human flourishing is a life full of purpose, relationships, and enjoyment. Hmm. That's the bluff. Now, when you were talking about how do you measure it or how do you create it? Well, first of all, how do you create it? How do you create that kind of life? It isn't something that can be created by solely focusing on trying to fix what's wrong. Ah. You have to focus on and you have to build from a foundation of strengths and capacities. So what is working? What are we good at? As human beings, there's a lot of things that we're actually very, very good at. So building from that from from that place rather than, well, what are all the things that are going wrong? How do we fix, 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 fix? That doesn't actually create a flourishing life or flourishing society. In terms of like specific things to be looking for. So there is a model that I really like because it's really simple. Um, there's a couple different ones out there. All of them are really good. And there's a lot of overlap between them. The one I like to share is called the PERMA model, P-E-R-M-A, and it's an acronym. So P stands for positive emotions, and that is positive moments throughout your day. E is for engagement, which is about being immersed in meaningful tasks or meaningful work. R is for relationships. This is social connections, but it's also, it's not just the number of social connections you have, it's the quality of them. Mm. It's social connections with mutual positive regard. The M in PERMA is for meaning. So this is doing purpose-driven work that has a positive impact. 
And then the last piece, A, is achievement. So that's about positive goal achievement. When I looked into that, I was I didn't quite understand that one, but when I looked into it, I was like, oh, it's like development. Like, am I able to pursue something for the purpose of gaining competence, just getting success at it, mastery for its own sake? Mm. I want to get good yeah. at this thing. Right. <laughs> Is that even a thing? Do I have something that I'm trying to just get good at for the sake of getting good at it? Yeah. So I like that model because all of those pieces are very much interconnected. You cannot have flourishing. You cannot have flourishing as an individual, as a group of people, as a society, as a community without meaning, without achievement, without relationships and social connections. So you can't have, you can't create flourishing with just one of these. It's not just about positive emotions, not just about happiness. It's about a lot of other things as well. And I like that one because you can turn that into, and I've helped people do this, turn that into like kind of a barometer for yourself Yeah. on a scale of one to five this week, how you doing next week? How you doing? Start to track that. Yeah. Another thing that people can do in the workplace, start to track that this month at work, positive emotions at about a four, meaning about a two and a half. Start to track that and see, you can start to see what is my flourishing like over the past couple of months, over this year. That could be a great like reflection exercise if we're talking about the end yeah. of the year for folks. Yeah. So it's possible to be at, have a, a degree or be at a degree of flourishing without mm -hmm. being fully flourishing, right? I think like <laughs> you mentioned earlier that flourishing is something that grows over time. Mm -hmm. And like, this is a, this is an interesting thing that me and Sasha have like talked about for hours, <laughs> but like, is flourishing a thing that can be achieved or is it something that you are always in pursuit of because mm. the journey is the destination type of thing? Yeah. I feel like it's more the second, the journey is the destination when it comes to flourishing. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that we explore here when you're trying to figure out how do you measure it? How do you know when you've gotten there? How do you a lot of us have the background in psychology and people brain mm -hmm. science, right? Like as humans, we're never really happy with a certain thing. We always want something more. Uh, there, there are certain cultures that are a little bit better at being content with things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for the most part, our, like, our, our brains are wired to just always be trying to improve in some way, in some aspect, whether it's relationship-based, whether it's like achievement-based. And that's why I really like the PERMA model because it's kind of like holistically, you should be setting yourself up where your life is in a place where you are getting these sort of situations on a regular basis so that for the most part you are flourishing. But that the fact that you might not be completely happy or like, oh my God, I'm on cloud nine, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, doesn't mean you might not necessarily be flourishing. As humans, we kind of thrive a little bit on like wanting something different or change or growth or improvement. And so I think it's impossible to get to like, I am flourishing and I'm going to stay there. Like you mm -hmm. have to always be right. working to maintain that for yourself because it's going to look different from yourself. You guys coach a lot of people, right? Like what you want out of life is different once you get to a certain stage. So what's flourishing for me when I think of, oh, if I can just do X, once I get X, What's going to yeah. be flourishing for me is going to be a whole different situation once I'm there. And so I think it's about a combination of one, recognizing the present, 
And if you are mm-hmm. in a positive place in the present, which is why I like uh, Judy sharing, you can check in on yourself and be like, oh, right, I am actually in a good place. This is great. Yeah. Um, but then also just recognizing that it's just the process is the beauty of it. Um, and focusing your energy into these positive arenas is where the flourishing can start to happen, both at an individual level and organizational level and like at a societal level. I love that. And I also, I, I see the goal is not one, like you were saying, not 100% mm-hmm. all of the time. And it makes me think about the Marcus Buckingham work that we talk about, which was so shocking for me, is that if you can be using your strengths and you're um, sort of getting meaning and I forget the, the exact term, but essentially it's 20% of the time if you're working mm-hmm. sort of where your your love is, your love work, 20% as he did his research, that was the sweet spot. If you can find a job that has at least 20% of the time working in your love work, what you love, then you feel happy. You don't have to have it 100% of the time mm-hmm. for that to give you that positive, those positive feelings. And it's like, wait, I thought the goal was 100%. It's like, no, it's just 20%. <laughs> you know, right. We only need 20%. It's like, wow. So that lowers the bar a little bit. And Maybe we can actually say, how much of this time am I flourishing? It isn't 100%, like you were saying, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. But if we can achieve some level of that, that is the happiness level. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sort of our set point there. Yeah, I love that. And the fact that they're all interdependent, Mm -hmm. that just focusing on one isn't going to get us there. We have to actually think about how do we create this all the different aspects there. They work together. And I can see that being something that you think about in retrospect, you know, just going, so how am I doing? You know, just looking to both of your points, right? It's not like, okay, today I'm going to work on my engagement and I'm going to work on my (laughs) relationships and I'm going to look, I'm going to make sure that I've got meaning, you know, and, and because you will go crazy <laughs> trying to make sure that you're satisfying that. And, and how are you going to measure it for yourself, right? Are, are you happy? Are you feeling that, oh, yeah, I do feel like I have meaning. Well, that might be something that you have to, you have to do that in retrospect. You have to go, how was my day? You said that. So it's interesting. It's not like going out and getting a degree and say, okay, I just achieved something. And yeah. now I, you can't go back. I got it. But that's just the beginning, right? It's just the beginning. And so that's sort of what this is to me. It's like once you've identified those things that are important, you've got to work on them forever. Mm-hmm. It's one of those journeys, right? Yeah. One thing that came up as we were talking is I was like, wait, I kind of did this. Is this kind of how I got where I am now into a field that I really like. Yeah. When I was talking about when I was traveling and I like a couple months in, I was like, wait a second, something's missing. Like mm-hmm. I had positive emotions mm-hmm. all over the place. I was only doing things that brought me positive emotions. That was like the guiding force of my life. And then I had relationships because I actually saw whose relationships I was closer with, who I was able to keep in contact with. And the people that I was meeting were honestly, when you travel, like you get deep fast with people like you don't really stand <laughs> yeah. on surface level but that was still had a bunch missing and trying to think about well what is missing like this is like mm-hmm. the perfect life i'm happy and i have friends right like what's wrong and it was the purpose part right so the mm-hmm. purpose relationships and happiness which is part of flourishing it's an interconnected 
-hmm. Like if you have two and not all three of the core elements, it's not, it's going to feel like something is missing. I think there's a lot of actual research in different areas around this as well. And so it's the holistic piece of it. And just recognizing that all of those elements are important and should get amounts of your time and energy into them. And that it's not a give or take that they both and all all three pieces of those are just as important as the others. Yes. And nowhere are we talking about fancy car or big house. (laughs) You know, so that I think that's the other thing. And as you were talking about more and more and more. One of the things that I see in my coaching, and I know you guys were talking about, you coach also all over the world. And so I, I see this all over the world. People stuck in sort of these corporate settings where they're so unhappy. Mm-hmm. They're overworked. They're working 12-hour days. They're hoping, you know, working really hard, crossing their fingers, hoping they get a promotion for more money, thinking that's going to make them happy trying to understand that happiness piece. Like, what am I giving up? If I'm miserable long enough, maybe I'll find happiness. And I think that's not the, that's not what we're saying here. It's like flourishing is about every day. It's about the present. It's not giving up your flourishing so that hopefully in 10 years, if I'm Mm -hmm. miserable for this whole time, then I'll find the happiness. I think mm-hmm. oftentimes that's that middle, middle age thing, right? You've been right. unhappy for so long and then you realize, holy cow, this is not bringing me happiness and I can't see that it ever will. And so now we have to reassess. Well, and hopefully they get to that point because so many people will sit there and put retirement on their oh yeah, or even you know, on their wing. list. That's the end of the yeah. rainbow for them, you yeah. know. And they will work hard and be miserable all the way up to retirement. And then when they get there, they realize that's not at all what this was about, right? Mm. And so it's yeah, it's um, that is something that I think of a lot, you know, when we're when we're looking at where we are in our careers, you know, it's something it's something to remember that it's not that it's not the the achievement. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. that um, I got this and I got that and I'm standing on this and I've achieved everything I wanted to achieve. Because if that's the case, then I should be enjoying it now and not waiting for that moment to enjoy it at the end, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. One thing that you guys are bringing up when we're talking about all this is reminding me of some of the other pieces we've looked at um, in relation to how flourishing is different for a lot of people in different places in the world and recognizing like it's an individual concept in a sense, as well as like a communal one. Um, Some of the research that we did with some uh, minority youth, they called out the importance of financial stability for their ability to have well-being, which is a core piece of flourishing. Uh, And we like mentioned different places around the world, right? Where core needs are still not exactly being met. So that is needed for human flourishing for yes. the basics to be addressed. Right. Yeah. And I think so it's an interesting concept that when we talk about it like that in terms of figuring out what exactly can help people reach flourishing. I like that we are in a place where we can have that conversation because it also allows us to have the conversation where you first must have all the resources in place so that basic needs are met. And then we can talk about additional above. And sometimes basic needs are financial. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's shelter. Sometimes it's like basic tenants of having a vehicle to move around. So sometimes flourishing actually does come in the sense of 
like physical goods sure. <laughs> or cash on hand or things of yeah. that nature. Like we've yeah. seen a lot of different studies in in Nordic countries, right, where universal income is a part that actually has shown to be a lot increase a lot of well being in certain mm-hmm. populations who have been able to have it. And so I think when we talk about how to reach human flourishing, it's interesting to think about all the different ways you can kind of help people achieve it by sometimes taking away the stress of needing to do your basic needs or needing to think you have to make choices based on money mm-hmm. instead of based on what actually makes you happy in the end. It's so it's that. like a really interesting framing that lets us ask a lot of very complex and different yeah. centered questions around yeah. society and our communities. It's yeah. that hierarchy of needs, you know, Maslow coming forth. If you don't have that, how can you be even on the path to flourishing, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, and that makes me wonder, is flourishing over and above all that? Is it, it's not needs then, is it desires? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Well, one of the one of, yeah, one of the things that I want to react to from what Sasha brought forward, which I'm I'm glad you brought this piece forward. When we started talking about human flourishing and like kind of bringing this concept up to other groups of people, a basic question that we asked was, when you think about flourishing, like what comes to mind? We just want to do like word cloud, just give us some stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear to see a polarity of hope and pain. Mm. is what comes forward for people. And I think that is a reflection of, Sasha, what you started talking about. When we're talking about human flourishing, like it's not going to necessarily be the same. Like the pieces and elements that are going to be the most salient for a person to be flourishing are not going to be the same for everybody because we're not the same. And because of history and inequality and systems that are doing what they're doing, we're not able to access the same different things. So like Sasha to um, what Sasha mentioned, that one research study, it came out of the Aspen Institute. We actually did a, one of our podcast episodes, we interviewed them and they, it was a participatory action research project, which was super cool um, where <laughs> they, um, and it was youth led. So it was youth mm. and young adults of color leading the research on defining in their own words, what is well-being for our communities, for um, people who look like us and are in our generational band, um, young people. And it's only, and the reason why I always like to highlight and emphasize the research that this group did, because it didn't come out of Harvard. It didn't come out of like a graduate program or a PhD student, It, it came from, youth and young adults who were given the resources and the support to answer this question for themselves about what it meant for them. And it's only in this study, this is one of the only ones that I've seen where an essential piece of well-being of flourishing is healing from trauma and racism. Mm. And like, I, I, that gets Mm. to the point that I'm trying to make of like, yeah. That is a part of it, too. When we talk about human flourishing, it's not just rah, rah, like we're going to be all good if we just focus on these positive emotions and finding the meaning and purpose. Like it's also there has to be space and attention paid to the healing that is also needed in order to be flourishing. It's not like it's an it's hard <laughs> It's hard because like we don't have a lot of 
practice or skill as human beings in mm, holding space for those hard things at the same time as having the hope and the mm. belief and the feeling of empowerment of like, no, I can change this. And it's hard at the same time. And there's a lot of things to heal from. Like that's one of the big um, key takeaways for me in doing this research and diving into this idea of human flourishing of like it, in order to create more of it in the world, it will require like people like me, uh, us as practitioners who do this OD work, who hold space for people to be very skilled at the both and of there is pain in this topic and it's about finding the space of power and hope so that you can be building and creating something mm-hmm. to to foster more flourishing in your own life. That's just so powerful. <laughs> and I think also so important as we think about saving the world, right? We need everybody to be able to come along on that journey with us. We can't leave certain groups behind. And that process, just as you were describing, is probably going to be pretty painful. Some of the changes we're asking people to make, they're going to be painful. But it also, you have to hold that hope Mm -hmm. that it is possible and that there is this, I love that because of the model, the flourishing, that is possible and we have to work towards that but not be afraid of what it's going to take to get there. Yeah, I love that. I find this so encouraging because I I don't think in my career I've ever had a conversation like this where it felt like finally people are peeling the onion, right? They're going deeper and and to me that that is hopeful. That tells me that, you know, if we're able to get to deeper levels of understanding around what flourishing is or what well-being is or any of that that we're finally going to achieve that. And it takes I think it takes those fresh eyes and the and those more candid uh, views of the world from youth in many ways. You know, people who aren't afraid because they've got they're starting out and they're passionate and we want to get them while they're passionate because we don't want I, we don't want this generation or any generation from now on to get stuck into a you know a, a business culture that that breaks them down and makes them become complacent to something that's so critically important. I mean, this is changing the world. I, I love what, what you're talking about, both both of you, Sasha and Judy. It's like, it is painful. It is a painful step for some people, but if we can't get to a part where we're healing, then we're never going to be able to achieve that. So this is, this is really very, um, it's inspiring. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So who is responsible for human flourishing? You, Crystal. Just just you. It's actually all on you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I've been telling her that for a long time. <laughs> oh, no. Human flourishing is definitely a team sport. And I said, I love mm. volleyball. Imagine it like the global volleyball game. It doesn't work if we're not communicating if we're not paying attention to each other, and if we're not aware of where we are in relation to everybody else on the court. Human mm-hmm. flourishing is a team sport for sure. Mm-hmm. Sasha, what do you think? 
I think it's also a team sport, but it's also one that has a lot of different elements that can be addressed collectively um, and individually. So it's kind of like individually, you start to do different things in different places. And then when you look at it as the collective, you start to see the changes. I think one of the things that can be really scary when we talk about something as big as human flourishing, and that has helped me and being like, ah, is the conversations that we've had with our guests doing work in this space. And we didn't realize it was this space until about halfway through some of our interviews. <laughs> we were like, we want people to doing work in society and community levels. And we realized they're doing different aspects of human flourishing based work uh, just in different spaces. And that when you do those in the, and you, you can focus on something specific, a specific topic, mm-hmm. like providing opportunities for people to access like four degree educational opportunities to like decreasing deaths from toxic chemicals globally in a global supply chain problem. Like there are all these different ways in which you can address core pieces that can help you achieve flourishing and and like doing that your part and thinking about it from helping progress to a flourishing future is the way to do it. So you don't have to be solving it from societal level if the work that you do is a more individual community-based level. If you are in government though, you can do laws that can help with some of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but most of us are working at a stage that isn't quite at that large scale of a level. And that is fine because we see a lot of these grassroots organizations, these grassroots changes, these mindset sh- mindset shifts that are happening that are causing change. One of my favorite things to do is you kind of mentioned the youth, right? And the fresh perspectives is whenever someone comes to me with a challenge from someone who is new to the workforce, to stick, take a step back and think about what exactly is the reason that it feels challenging? What part of the system and structure nice. are they challenging? And is it a piece that should be challenged? Because I think so much, so yeah. we, we just are, we get embedded in so many pieces where it's like, that's not professional. And then I have to be like, well, like, why isn't that professional? Mm-hmm. Like, and should it matter yeah. or not? And so like asking ourselves those questions is also a really great way where we each can be uh, identifying places where small changes can happen, small shifts can happen that will then change large scale workforces. Like imagine when our majority of our workforce is full of some of these younger generations of Gen Z and even some of the younger millennials, we have some of that in us too, of like changing all the structures around and the force that like we're forcing the change. It's not like necessarily desired change from an organization's perspective, mm-hmm. how different organizations already are. Yeah. You have B Corp organizations that are run from meaning and purpose and goodness for societies that are taking off. And you have people literally leaving companies in droves if they think that they are unhealthy, refusing to join companies if they right. don't have good inclusivity or DEIA practices. And speaking up even if they're losing their jobs on key political topics like all of those things are helping create flourishing so we are going to pause there (laughs) and this conversation is just is too good to have only one episode so we are going to continue this conversation in our next episode So now that we have a foundation in why human flourishing is important and why it's important now, we've got um, a little definition of it and what its component parts are. We know if we're flourishing, we can measure it and who's responsible for fostering it. And so we're going to pause here and let that soak for a while for people. Mm. Next week, we'll be back with Judy and Sasha to continue the conversation And we are going to find out why Sasha has called human flourishing a big, hairy, amorphous challenge. Ah.
<laughs> and we're going to talk about some practical things leaders can do to further and foster human flourishing. So we hope that this episode has enticed you enough mm-hmm. that you will want to come back and join us next week for the second part of this two-part episode. I certainly didn't get enough. I need more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Crystal, what do you think? It was very exciting um, to learn more about human flourishing from these two really intelligent, beautiful young women. Yes, no kidding. And you know what? I I just haven't gotten enough of it. And I'm so excited that we're going to get to have them back for our next episode. Yes. So, oh my gosh, I hope that all of you who are listening to this episode, and if you listen to it, Try consider listening to it again because, quite frankly, I think you're going to get nuggets every single time you listen. It, yeah, it is just this was exciting. It's got me all excited about the next episode. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I can't wait. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yep. So let's keep the conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. We have so many exceptional podcast episodes coming up. Next one is Judy and Sasha coming back to talk even more with us about human flourishing. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode informative or inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find our show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Finally, please take 30 seconds and follow us. It helps you because you never miss an episode. You don't want to miss the next one for Mm -hmm. sure with with Judy and Sasha. It helps us because you never miss an episode. To follow us, go to the Lifting Leaders podcast show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. Then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share the episode with a friend, we'd be so grateful. Thank you, Trisha, for another great episode. Thanks, Crystal. I'll see you in a week. (laughs) Yeah, looking forward to it. Many thanks to you, our listeners. We so appreciate you. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fantastic week. Take care.